January 5th, 2024. We're in Masechet Bava and Daf Yod Aleph, Amud Aleph. If you count down from the top of the Amud, it's 14 lines down. So that's the Gemara on the first word on the line. Amar Shemuel, En Shamin, Lo Leganav, Velo Legazlan, Ela Lenezakin. Va'ani Omer, Af Leshoel, Ve'aba Modeli. Statement of Shemuel is we don't evaluate. We'll have to define that word in a moment. Lo leganav velo legazlan, neither for a person who uh, surreptitiously, in a, a sneaky way, steals. That's a ganav, a pickpocket, a person who enters at night. Velo legazlan, not for a person who brazenly uh, puts a gun to your head or a knife to your back and demands the money. Ela lenezakin. The only time we evaluate is with regards to damages. Again, evaluation, what we're specifically referring to will have to define in a moment, but I say, continues Shemuel, even for a person who borrows, even for the halachic category of when you borrow someone else's object, and Rav, whom he would refer to as Abba, his counterpart, his colleague, Modeli, agrees with me. Now, just the wording before understanding it is a little bit funny. Shemuel began the statement. His statement was, So he makes the statement, and then he continues, and he says, And I say, so I begin the class and I say, here's the halakha, A, B, C, and I say, well, who said the first statement? Uh, well, how do you square the, how do you read the sentence straight? A statement, and I say, and Rav agrees with me. It's for that reason, Rashi explains, that's what Rashi is, uh, so to speak, uh, implicitly bothered by on the right-hand side, just uh, maybe ten lines down where it says, Amar Shemuel, Rashi uh, starts by saying, Minhag Dayaninhu. In other words, what Shemuel is reflecting in his initial words is the practice, the prevalent way of judges. And so he begins by stating, this is what's generally done. I should tell you, this is what I believe, and even Rav agrees. Uh, what's prevalent and what's the normal practice on that last issue? I don't know that it's addressed. Tosafot alternatively quotes from She'il Toterav Ahaigaon, a different girsa in the Gemara, different words in the Gemara. The third Tosafot on the left-hand side, some... Eight lines from the top of the Amud says, Beshe'iltot Ravahai Garis Amar Shemuel Amarli Abba. Right, according to that version from She'iltot, which Tosafot is citing, this initial statement of Shemuel is not in the name of himself. It's not his own vision. He's quoting from Rav, Amarli Abba. And then he continues and he states it. Then he interjects and say, it says, this is my personal opinion. Then he concludes and he says, you should know, Rav Abba agreed with me on that matter. What's that? Well, we don't know yet, A, what it's talking about, and B, why Shoel would be in or out. Give me a few minutes. Um, uh, first and foremost, what's in Shamin, or what is a Shamin? What does it mean to evaluate? Uh, so we'll start with Rashi, and then we'll segue into the approach of Tosafot, which, excuse me, of Rashbam, not recorded on our Amud, but we'll, we'll address it in a moment or two. So first and foremost, Rashi. What does it mean, in Shamin? We don't evaluate. Again, if you take a look at the right-hand side, back in those words of Rashi, Amar Shemuel, this is the practice of judges. She'en shamin, that they don't evaluate lo la ganav lo la gazlan. Okay, definition. What does it mean? Shim ganav v'gazal behema okelim. If a person were to steal or to commit thievery with regards to an animal or any utensils, v'nifhatu eslo. And as he's holding on to them, their value depreciates 
because they broke, because they became damaged. En shamin hanevela vahashivarim la be'alim shiachazir. We don't evaluate the uh, cork, the carcass. We don't determine what are these uh, shards left over worth. In other words, the thief, the robber, will now take those items, hand them to the initial owner and say, here, I know I stole from you your $80,000 car. Here's what the car is worth right now. There are pieces. I got them evaluated. They're worth $5,000. I'll pay you seventy-five. He can't do that when it comes to a ganav and a gazlan. Shiyahazir ganav hapehat. You can't give back the low-level item which remains. Ela yeshalem. Rather, what do you pay back? Behema vekelim meulim. You have to give back the highest quality. You're either giving money back or the exact same car in its complete and full sense. Vehashivarim shelo. And the parts, the leftover carcass, is yours. It has nothing to do, according to Rashi's reading over here, with what we were addressing a little bit earlier in the Gemara with regards to when the value of what's left over went down. It has everything to do with, can you give back, so to speak, Shaveh Kesef? Are you allowed to give back whatever you want in the payment of Ganav and Gazlan? So to repeat it again, according to Rashi, it goes like this. I stole your car from you, lo alenu. I'm not allowed to, in shamin, I'm not allowed to give back the uh, pieces of the car and say, I'll fill in the rest. Why not? Well, it hasn't been defined for us just yet, but you're not allowed to do so. When are you allowed to do so? Ela lenizakin, when it comes to damage. If I uh, had your animal fall into my pit, the halacha is, I give your carcass back to you. It's lanizak, we learned that from yashiv, lerabot shabbat kesef, kekesef. We derive that as well from vehamet yihielo lanizak. Those are pesukim we, we cited earlier in the Gemara. And in nizikin, and only in nizikin, may you do so. So those are the initial words here in the Gemara, according to Rashi, to read them. Sure. I have to pay you entirely for whatever was damaged. I have to replace the entire item, just like in Geneva and Gezela. In other words, the assumption that you have, rightfully so, is that Nezik is yeshlim, um, making up for whatever the damage was. You could have envisioned it, if you were an outsider on this matter, as different. You damaged my item, I want a new item. I want it the way it was initially. I don't just want the item back and you pay on top of it. That's how you would have imagined it. We don't have one yet. We will. We will. Um, I, I read the words in the Gemara again. Amar Shimuel en Shamin. Lola ganav velola gazlan ela lenizakin. Va'ani omer, and then Shemuel adds on to this, af la shoel, even for someone who borrows. Ve'aba modeli, and Rav agrees to me. Before we get logic, what does it mean, af la shoel? We'll have to couple the logic of ganav and gazlan and nizakin. What does he mean? In other words, I make a statement, I say, you don't evaluate, meaning you can't give back the carcass, the shards, the parts, when it comes to ganav and gazlan, when it comes to the robber. You can do so with regards to nizikin, with regards to damage, and so too shoel. So too shoel, which way? Is it like... Might be. That's the more simple way of reading it. I agree, so, so but it could. It's some. Everyone else disagrees with him except Rabba. Uh, not necessarily, because if you have the version like Tosafot, the whole statement was Abba. 
Right, it was all in the name of Abba, and then he says, oh, and by the way, this is what I believe, and he agrees with me, so it might be everyone agrees. It, or alter- I, I hear you, uh, or, or, but it says, and in the end, Abba came around and agreed with me, and, uh, which is Rav. Uh, the other way to go on this is they didn't have clear consensus. They had clear consensus on that. He weighed in on this. Uh, in a moment or two, we're going to try to determine what's the bottom line. According to Rashi, that's the issue. That and only that. Now, with regards to Nizikin, you could certainly pay with Subin as a result, you could pay with the carcass, etc. Right? When it comes to Ganav and Gazlan, that's the question. Can you pay back with a low-valued Shaveh Kesef? What's that? And maybe borrow. In other words, we don't know what borrower. But Ganav and Gazlan, we know it's not so. That's the reading of the Gemara according to Rashi. That and exactly. line them up so far. We say that Ganav and Gazlan are different than Nizikin and Shoel. The fact that one of them I'm using them Yes, I, I would agree. In other words, Jared says, you're contradicting yourself. Jared says it's logically speaking, he would like to line up Sho'il, the borrower, with, not with, with Nizikin. No, he, yes, with Nizikin, because both in Nizikin where well, I don't know that I have, I don't know, I'm not sure I fully, I mean, I like your, your line of logic, I don't like the words. It was with permission? No, I didn't, with, permission that, that, yeah. It wasn't be'isur that the nezik happened. Right. Something yes. along those lines. Uh, which is the logic we're going to work, at, work with uh, in a bit. And uh, maybe a little bit different word. Says the Gemara, Iba'ayalehu, just in terms of, again, before we, I'm sorry we're doing this before we arrive at logic. Let's just still uh, flesh out the full uh, sugya. Says the Gemara, Iba'ayalehu, which means they had a question, meaning the Midrash of the rabbis from the time of the Gemara, hearing and accepting these words of Shemuel, of Rav, just uh, they had a, a safik, they had a doubt. Hacheka Amaris, this is what he meant to say. Afla Shoel Shamin ve'aba modeli. Did he mean to say that Shoel is just like Nizikin? Shoel, the borrower, is just like damages with regards to I can give back the pieces and I'll just pay the rest. Odilma, or maybe, in other words, the complete opposite. Hacheka Amar, v'ani omer afla Shoel en Shamin. My position is that Shoel, the borrower, is not like a damager with regards to giving back the shards, giving back the pieces, but rather like Ganav and Gazlan. You can't and may not evaluate those pieces, and you have to instead give the full amount, just like Ganav and Gazlan, Ve'aba Modeli. So that's the question of the Gemara. What did it mean in those ambiguous words? We're going to conclude this with a, uh, a, a succinct brew, a br- uh, and brief uh, proof. Da'u Gavra, there was an individual. Gavra means a man, there was a person. Dishail Narga Mehavre, who borrowed an axe from his friend. So we got a clear cut case, and what happened? Tivara. And he broke the axe with Pishia, with negligence. Oh, That's exactly our case. Can he give back? the handle and the broken uh, pieces of the axe. He came in front of Rav. Rav was the Abba we had earlier. Okay, here's the key line. What did he say? Go, zil, go, shalim, pay back, le, to him, to the person who you borrowed from. Narga means an axe. Uh, wonderful, a full and complete axe. In other words, Shema we can derive from this, and Shamin, you derive from this, you don't evaluate when it comes to Sho'el borrowing, much as we said, you don't evaluate the pieces, you don't determine that with regards to Ganav and Gazlan. Negligent, you 
Yes. Guys, the key word. Yes. Negligently. Yes. So I was negligent when I used the axe. However, if you gave me a crappy axe, I borrowed from you. You didn't tell me the thing was a piece of crap. Shema Israel. I didn't know we were devolving so quickly here. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Let's just say cheap for a moment. Huh? That's that's not go, that's not my case. That's not our case. That's correct. That's Your case is your case is what you call your case is what you call which means to say if it was an animal, it died from normal work. You gave me a here's my word cheap. Uh, acts in such a circumstance by chopping with it, I'm not liable. Yes, that's correct. You're just speaking out the laws of Sho'el. I'm telling you that when it comes to a borrower, it's only when they're negligent that they're liable. Oh, that's that's right. You told us when you talked about brand, you could even give brand when you borrow. You know, the thing that I'm we didn't talk about borrower. No, but we only talked about damages. That's we were all the brand was only with regards to damages. Our whole masechet until now has only been talking about damages. That's where we're entering into a new zone briefly. Says the Gemara. So again, Tashima, you can come and derive from this case. Tevara, he damaged it, and he broke it, and again, yes, Morris, negligently. That's a law. That's a Bava law. In other words, that's a law with regards to Shoel. I just uh, took it for granted that we're accepting that. Anyway, he came in front of Rav. Go and pay le to the person who you borrowed it from. Now we can derive from that story that Rav's opinion, which apparently accords with his uh, colleague Shemuel's, in Shamin, the status of a Shoel is much like a borrower, a Ganav and Gazlan, a thief. Adraba says the Gemara, you don't know the end of the story. Adraba means the opposite is true. Wait till you hear what happened afterwards. Are you aware of what happened at that uh, hearing? Or afterwards, they heard these two rabbis, Rav Kana and Rav Aseh, that Rav told the person who borrowed the axe that he needs to pay back a full-fledged axe. Uh, wait a second. These rabbis turned to Rav and said, Is the law really so? And Rav was silent. You can derive from this that Rav admits in the moment Maybe I made a mistake. Shamin, you can and should evaluate when it comes to well, like and at, when it comes to borrowing. No, no, no. That's what it is. All right. What do you want me to tell you? This time, this time not. Uh, so that's that's the uh, that's our gemara as we have it. So uh, again, what I've been explaining to you throughout is the gemara according to the approach of Rashi, which we read together. Rashi's approach of this shamin and in shamin, evaluate or don't evaluate, has to do specifically and only with what can you pay back with? Are you allowed to pay back with the pieces and then just fill out the rest? or not. Uh, there is another approach to this Gemara. It's cited in Masechet Bava Metzi'ah, but also in Bava Kama, later on on Daf Samechet. On Daf Samechet Amud Aleph Tosafot, Dibura Matchil Matevicha, they cite from Rashbam. Rashbam, of course, being the brother of Rabbeinu Tam. 
that means he's a relative. Yeah? Um, Rashbam, uh, of course, being grandson of Rashi, has a different interpretation to this Gemara. His reading of the Gemara is in line with what we learned earlier. What we learned earlier was what happens if the item which was damaged depreciates. Meaning after the moment of, uh, at issue, uh, the moment that's problematic, what happens if now it depreciates, who takes the loss? Right, that's what we talked about. When it comes to damages, we were well aware and everybody accept, accepted yashiv. You're allowed to pay back with bran. The suggestion of, Rabbi, of Rashbam is that when it comes to ganav, gazlan as well, you can pay back with bran just as much so. Shavikesif is kikesif, you're allowed to pay back. The question that our Gemara is raising is, when it comes to damages, do we look at this person and say, when it came to damages, do we look at what's left over, the damaged pieces, the carcass, and we say, well, it was $50 at the time of death, and now as we're ha'amada bedin, we're in court, it's worth $10, who takes that loss? Do I, as the damager, get to pay $150? Or do you say to me, no, no, it's your loss, it's $190. We said it's lanizak. We said I get to pay 150, right? That was the halakha when it came to damages. That was the statement of, as we read it initially, of Abba Shaul, that you take the carcass to court immediately, as, as uh, Eli jumped in and told me that the art school told him that. I told you, jump the gun. Remember, you evaluate it. You evaluate it in that moment. Why am I evaluating in that moment? Because, Baruch Hashem, um, so, uh, Mr. Scroll, um, <laughs> Arthur Scroll. Anyway, that the, uh, why are you evaluating that moment? Because me, as the damager, I'm very interested in getting this uh, figured out so that I get locked in at the higher rate with regards to what it was worth. So that, you want to take it? Take it now. I'll get this off my hands and I only pay you whatever's left over. If I leave it over the course of time, it's going to depreciate and that in turn will hurt me. I'd like to in this moment lock in. Question, according to Rashbam in our sugya is, is that the same law when it comes to Ganav, Gazlan, and Shoel? Do you understand the question? It means that if I steal something from you, do I, do we determine the value of that item and its broken pieces animal. I stole the animal from you and it died in my hand. Do I determine when I pay back based on what it was worth then or do I determine based on what it's worth later? That's the question here in our series. So the Gemara, the Gemara clearly tells us and you're all very... No, this is not a kenas. This is this kefil is the kenas and ganav. Uh, but the Gemara clearly has no issue when it comes to ganav and gazlan. What's the halacha with regards to ganav and gazlan? Certainly, that's on the mazik, right? You're allowed to pay back with the car pieces. You're allowed to pay back with the carcass, but. It's the value at the time that you pay it back. It was worth in the moment uh, still $50, now it's worth $10. Your loss, you gotta pay 190. According to Rashbam, that's the reading of our sugya. The issue with regards to Ganav and Gazlan in contrast to mazik, thievery as opposed to damaging, is not whether you can pay back with the pieces. You for sure can pay back with the pieces. The question is, do the pieces get evaluated based on their initial higher price, or do you as the mazik, as the ganav and gazlan, lose out? That's what the sugya is according to Rashbam. Obviously. Right. So, 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 to, so, 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 so,
the etrog I stole before and after. It's not that I pay. I lose out. It's worth a, a dollar after Sukkot. It was worth a hundred on Sukkot. After Sukkot, I, it's valued as a dollar. So I'm... No, 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 you're misunderstanding. I'm paying back, I'm, I start with, I say, here, Jeffrey, I stole your, your etrog, here's the etrog. Okay, now we evaluate, what's the etrog worth now? When I stole it, it was 100, now it's worth a dollar. I pay you 99 in addition to it. That's the point when it comes, and that's why everyone's yelling, it's so simple. And it's, in that case, it's got down to the polamoid. And you could give it back to him, technically at that time, it was worth 50. Okay. After the holiday, it's a dollar. Good, so. You say you have to pay 99. 100%. That's right. That, that's the point. The point is, it's based on, uh, there's no evaluation. It's on, it's, it's uh, the, the way Tosafot and the truth, we read some of the, we quickly at the end of class read it from Tosafot. I'd like to just review quickly what Tosafot does because Tosafot is a little bit confusing in the following respect. And I saw in the book, Kihilot Yaakov, he raises this, and Rabbeinu Peretz, Tosafot Rabbeinu Peretz, I'm very proud of myself, I made 15 copies and I left them in the car purposefully. I said, I'm gonna overwhelm everyone, so I'm just gonna say it outside. Maybe it's more overwhelming that way. But anyway, Tosafot raises two reasons for this distinction in our Gemara. One is Pesukim, and the other is logic. Uh, let me start with Pesukim. The Pesukim Tosafot raised are, when it comes to stealing, the Torah says you have to give back Hagezela Asher Gazal, the same item which you stole. And the Derashah, the understanding of the rabbi says, Ke'en Gazal. Just say, you give back the stolen item. No, you, st- you give back the stolen item which you stole. To teach you, it's got to be exactly like the item which you stole. That's in contrast to Nezek. That's in contrast to when it comes to damages. Um, that's, that's the statement uh, with regards to that issue, and they find another pasuk with regards to Sho'el. And then Tosafot continues, and they provide a logic as well. What's the logic that they provide? They provide the following logic. They say that when I steal something, there's something that's called a kinyan. It sounds ridiculous. I acquired it. But there's something called kinyane gezela. We'll learn about this later on in the Daftadizayin zone. I remember the first time I discovered this as a young man, it was very hard for me to wrap my head around this. As a person who steals, you have a certain acquisition right in the item which you stole. It's ridiculous. It's your possession. But that's the point. In other words, if I stole this item, if I stole this item from you, it's now mine. So you're going to tell me, but I evaluate it based on the time when I stole it. It wasn't yours anymore at the time that I'm stealing it. So now as I pay it back to you, how are you going to, I'll evaluate this based on what? It was yours from the moment that you stole it. You're not filling in. In other words, in other words, to say it clearly, when I damage something, this was your animal and is your animal, just I damaged it. So I say, here's your animal based on what its value was, and I'm filling in the extra $150. When I stole something from you, my responsibility is, well, I took the item from you. I can't say, here's the item as it was, but the moment of transfer means it's no longer his. So I can't say, I can't say now, well, at the moment of transfer, when it was mine, I'm giving it to you like that and I'm filling out on top. You're filling out on top what? That's, that's the logic to say you can't do so. So the whole thing except for the one dollar, the parts, whatever they're worth, right? That's when it comes to Geneva and Gizilla. Exactly. At the time that you're giving it back because I'm giving back with, what's that? Yeah, this is a fascinating question. It's, 
Joey Levy, uh, texted me this question last night. I didn't have a chance to fully think it out. There's such a reality. You tell me the pieces. It's dead. It's dead. With regards to giving the, okay, to be to be continued on that thought. It, with regards to this Tosafot, just to fill this out properly, the suggestion of Rabbeinu Peretz, he's one of the Ba'alea Tosafot, is those two angles, the logic versus the Pesukim, are divided by Rashi and Rashbam. For Rashi, keep in mind, for Rashi, at this point, it might be difficult for you to understand Rashi, to go back to Rashi. Rashi says, when you're paying back for thievery or for stealing, you have to give back, you determine it based on the full value of the item. You have to pay back money or the full item. Why so? I don't understand. Uh, who said? We generally speaking say you can pay back with whatever you like. The only answer you could give for Rashi is Pesukim. You have to point to the pasuk of Gazal. You have to say it has to be exactly as you stole. And there's no other way to explain Rashi. Why is why is still? Don't forget. Don't forget on Dafhe. Don't forget on Dafhe. The Gemara had 24 avot nezikin, and we said they held all the same law with regards to how you compensate. The way you pay back is the same. So why would you distinguish? The only answer you could come up with for Rashi is different pesukim. The Torah, for one reason or another, back to Judah's question, minute one of the class. What's the logic pasuk? That's in kind contrast to uh, Rashbam's approach. Rashbam's approach, everybody agrees. You can pay back with brand, you can pay back with car parts, with regards to anything and everything, both Gezela and Geneva and Shoel and Izzy, everything is that way. So then what's the issue we're dealing with? And that's logical, it makes a lot of sense. The question is now, as I give back with that, I determine when was the moment of transfer. Was there a moment of transfer? With regards to Nizigin, there was never a moment of transfer. This dead animal is still technically speaking the Nizat's animal. It's not my animal, the person who got damaged animal. I never got it. There's no Kinyane Nizikin. I didn't acquire it through damaging it. I acquired it when I grabbed something and brought it into my property. That logic of Tosafot is being brought for explaining the distinction according to Rashbam. Okay, that's what we have in our sugya. Those are the and then Shoel seems to find, what's that? Well, the Gemara seems to tell us lemaskana with regards to Shoel. Well, what does the Gemara say? The Gemara says, Shema mina en shamin. Uh, the, the, the final line on this is en shamin. The interesting thing is, one second, one second. But the, the, the final line on the Gemara is, I'm sorry, Shemamina Shamin. However, Lahalacha, okay, you have to look up Lahalacha, but it seems to me that the Halacha is not that way. You have to, you have to look up the, uh, the post scheme on this matter. Yes, we reject it based on, the, based on the silence of Rav in that moment. If I'm not mistaken, okay, we have to. Yeah, I'm, I'm not mistaken. He was consistent. He said two reasons. You can't say Again, I, just to briefly state it, Tosafot gave us both Pesukim and the logic. It wasn't, it wasn't clear why they needed both. Once you have the logic, you don't need the Pesukim. Uh, so the suggestion of Rabbeinu Peretz is, and might be missing some words in our Tosafot, the Pesukim were for Rashi, the logic was for Rashbam. Yeah? Rashi definitely agrees with the concept of Kinyan Gizela. Absolutely, but it's not relevant here. 
Because right? the whole issue here has nothing to do with how to evaluate. The issue over here has to do with can you pay back with Shavikesef or not? Yeah. That's got nothing to do with Kinyanikesela per se. Yeah. That, yeah. You have, you have to, of course, of course, of course. All right, says the Gemara Itmar. Uh, we have a, a next statement uh, in the Gemara here. Itmar, Amar Ula, Amar Bil Azar, Shamin, Laganav, Vilagazlan. Uh, says the Gemara uh, quite clearly when it comes to a Ganav and a Gazlan, Shamin. We evaluate, oh boy, that's against everything we learned until now. We evaluate either means we, you can pay back with uh, the parts, in other words, and just fill it out, according to Rashi, or you get the higher initial, that's, that's, that's Rashi's reading of it, or Rashbam would tell you that the evaluation is the initial evaluation as opposed to at the time of payment. Rav Papi Amar, En Shamin V'Hilcheta, En Shamin Lolaganav, Oh, there, that's where I was coming from, A.B. Aval, la shoel shamin. There it is, explicitly black on white. When it comes to shoel, you are shamin. Because Rashbam would tell you something like that. There is no kinyan when it comes to shoel. He'd have to say. One more time. For Rashi, it's gotten, it, I agree with you. That is true. It has nothing to do with our sugyan. According to Rashi, the whole question is whether I can give back parts or not. That's not based on whether there's kinyane gezela. And what's the reason? As Rav Kahana and Ravase corrected earlier Rav with their challenge. If you recall, what did Rav say a moment ago in the Gemara? Rav said you have to give back the full item when you were a Shoel. Uh, they said, it's not really so. They seem to be suggesting that you could be Shamin. That's the conclusion of the Gemara. This next several lines in the Gemara take us in a absolutely, into an absolutely different world. Nothing to do with Masechet Bava Kama, nothing to do with damages, nothing to do with stealing, nothing to do with borrowing. Let me be 100% clear about that at the onset. The only reason this is quoted in our Gemara is because the statement here is from Ula in the name of Rabi Al-Azhar. Just a moment ago we had Ula in the name of Rabi Al-Azhar, maybe four lines up. Now we have Ula in the name of Rabi Al-Azhar. Nothing to do with Otherwise, the issues that we've been addressing brings us into parashat tazria, into the laws of a woman who gives birth with regards to her uh, purity and impurity status. Uh, here's the introduction. The Torah at the beginning in Vayikra Perik Yod Bet tells us the following. With regards to practicality, if any of your wives or daughters or granddaughters are pregnant or have children, don't practice these laws at home. The Gemara Masechet Nida tells us that uh, we don't practice it this way any longer for several reasons. But this is what the Torah says. The Torah says there's a distinction, it's a difference between if a male, a boy is born or a girl is born. Uh, the Torah says that it goes as follows. If a boy is born, there's an initial seven days of impurity. The woman is considered impure. She's forbidden to her husband. Anything that she touches with regards to taharot, something that's supposed to be kept pure, becomes impure if she touches it during those seven days. Following that, there's 33 days of yemei taharah. There's 33 days during which we don't care if she's seeing blood or anything. Anything she touches, any involvement she has, tahor. Uh, she has a status at that time for one reason or another, biologically, religiously, that's the halakha according to the Torah. So for the first seven days, for the next 30 day, 33 days, 
No problem. She's seeing blood. That's not blood. That's problematic. That's the way the Torah describes it. Seven days of absolute impurity, tum'ah, followed by 33 days of absolute uh, purity. Uh, the, when it comes to a woman, everything gets doubled. It's 14 days of purity, uh, impurity, and then 66 days of purity. So for 14 days, anything and everything she comes in contact with is tameh, and then 66 days are yemeh tahora. She's uh, magically just tahor. Uh, why that is, how that, that's what the hachamim really uh, struggle with and say that's why it's not really practical to us. So that's the first baseline laws you have to uh, wrap your head around. The next issue is with regards to what constitutes birth. What is childbirth? You say a child comes out. Well, it, there's also something that the child uh, nourishes itself from when it's inside the womb of a mother, and that is the shilya. The shilya is the placenta. If the placenta exits a woman, of course prematurely, not with the child, the assumption is that was halachically, I think even biologically, that's a partial or a full abort, uh, um, uh, what's it called, um, miscarriage in that situation, right? And as a result, will set into motion, uh, well, all those laws we just mentioned earlier. The problem here is what came out, the placenta, but there's no baby. Now, we imagine that the baby is nimoah. It's a hard word to say, but it's kind of mixed in. Of course, not in the physical sense that you can see a head and a body, but the baby is mixed in with the placenta. Okay, so how do I determine? Is that a male or is it a female? How do I know? Is it 7 or 14 or 33 or 66? The answer is we're going to be mahmir. We're going to be mahmir, which means to say we're going to take both stringencies. We're going to say I'm not certain whether this is a male or a female. As a result, 14 days of impurity and only 33, and I'll define it's not really 33 days, of tahara. I'm going to take the humrah, the severity of both. It's a suffix situation. Is this a boy or a girl who, not really, but came out with as, part, as this placenta? What's that? I don't know. So I'm going to assume that it's a female with regards to 14 days of tum'ah. And I'm going to assume it's a male with regards to 33 days of tahara. But not really, because the 33 days got subtracted by the initial, what's that? That's right. I'm not starting from day seven. I'm starting, I start the 33 from day seven, which means that the next seven days are Tumas. So it's 33 minus seven. I'm really only getting 26 days. So again, to state it clearly, if there's a shilya, translated as a placenta, which exits a woman, we imagine and understand that as a miscarriage, and that miscarriage carries halachic ramifications to the extent that we don't know if it's a male or a female, we need to plug in the laws of the Torah, we therefore go lechumrah, 14 days of tum'ah, 33 starting from day seven, days of tahorah, the first seven got cut off because we said 14, 26 days instead of that 66, even minus seven. All right, that's the halacha, okay. That's the background you need for the next words. We'll just read the first words. Just so you understand this context, we're now dealing with the following. If it wasn't complicated enough already, it's a little bit more complicated. What if partially the placenta comes out on, we'll call it day one, and then the other part of it comes out on day two? When do we determine and decide, halachically speaking, this child came out? In other words, we don't see a child on either one of those days. We see a partial placenta on both of those days. Do I start the count from day one or do I start the count from day two? Of course, it's going to have many legal halachic ramifications. We'll deal with this next time. Amen. Amen.